What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Thank you so much for tuning in to this week of the drop-in. This show has been an amazing journey so far, and you guys have all been with me. You've seen it. You've seen the guests just consistently inspire and motivate by their stories, and today's show is no different. It is no different. I'm excited because we have Renee Pathetis here today, and I, I, you know, we, we've talked here and there. And we have a a very important mutual friend. But I'm excited to hear the story because it's been quite a transformation. And so stick with us for this whole hour. It's going to be enlightening, going to inspire you, maybe make you change some of the things that you do in your everyday life to be a better you. Because that's really all it is. It's really about being a better you. This whole show is to inspire you to get off your damn couch and make life happen. Because it's not a dress rehearsal. You get one shot. I say it over and over and over again. If you've watched the first dozen, the first 15 episodes of The Drop-In, I hope you wake up hearing my voice saying, get off the damn couch and make life happen. Because that's It's your choice. You have control over that. You don't have a lot of control over other things. You don't have control of the traffic. You don't have control of the weather. But you have control of you. And that is power. That is raw power, man. Iggy Pop said it the best with raw power. Iggy Pop, raw power. You have it inside of you. I have it inside of me. Everybody has it. You just have to realize that. And it's pretty simple. So, uh, you know, it it gets me fired up. When I get out out of the studio, the NRM studios in Farmington Hills, Michigan, when I get out of the studio, it's tough for me to go to bed for the next four hours. Even on the way here, I'm bumping some punk rock. You know, the traffic's bad. I really would like to be driving my car, but I'm listening to some Red City Radio, some Rancid, some Rise Against, different bands that get me fired up and get me motivated. And sometimes I come in here, and Marianne, the producer of this fine show, there was a few weeks ago, and her aunt Alana, the cat wrangler, she <laughs> that's what she told me her title is, um, they're like, you look tired. But then I get behind the mic, And it's full energy. It's full adrenaline because I don't take your time lightly. You're spending one hour with me and with the guests that come on the drop-in. And that's an hour of your day. You have chosen to take the time to listen to us, to watch us, and to get inspired. So it's my duty to bring it every single episode. And so thank you. Thank you so much for tuning in today. And with that... I'm going to tell you a little bit about Renee. You know, we have a a mutual friend in Michelangelo Caruso, and he was on the show a few weeks ago. And dude is, I mean, come on, speaks all over the world, coaches people to be better people. Uh, He was, it was an amazing show. And if you didn't see it, make sure to check it out after you're done with this one. But Michael put us together. And when Renee and I talked, it was like we were kindred spirits. I was, I'll never forget it. I was standing in my garage. I was doing some work. We talked on the phone for about a half hour. And I'm like, I want to talk more. Like, I want to, I want to know more. Like, she's a fountain of knowledge and it's stuff that you can put into place every single day she's going to discuss nutrition how she got into paying attention to her own nutrition and now sharing that message across the world like how cool is that you know if we all shared our expertise with the person next to us 
if we all tried to inspire the people around us, can you imagine what a great world we would live in instead of trying to tear people down and try to find their faults? Let's, let's just try to lift each other up. It, it seems so freaking simple, man. It seems so simple. And that's what Renee is going to do today. You know, I started looking up facts about different things with uh, pertaining to the guests. And last week, it was a, a cool yoga fact. Well, this week, I found something that blew me away. You know, when we talk about nutrition, I think back to like maybe the 70s, maybe the 60s. You know, in the 50s, it doesn't seem like people really cared that much about what they were eating. It was meat and potatoes, and, you know, it was a different time. But paying attention to nutrition goes all the way back to 2500 B.C. The first recorded dietary advice was carved into a Babylonian stone tablet in about 2500 B.C., and it cautioned those with pain inside to avoid eating onions for three days. All the way back to 2500 B.C., they understood what you put in is what you get out you know you wouldn't put uh, just water or anything in your gas tank you have to put a certain type of in, uh, fuel into your car and the better fuel the longer your car runs the better it runs and your body is no different your body is no different and we have an expert on that here today in the NRM studios I would it, it's my honor to introduce you all to Renee. Renee, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me. You've got me all pumped up now. I just love your energy. And I was so excited after we talked uh, a couple weeks ago because we are very kindred spirits in terms of really wanting to be the best we can be inside and out and to share what we have with other people so that they can have the best quality life that's possible for them. So thanks for having me here. I am. I can't wait to dig in. Well, and and you know, again, I I said you know I don't take our viewers' time lightly. Mm-hmm. You know, and I learned that from Tony Robbins. He says that a lot, and I I'm like you know that's very true mm-hmm. because somebody's going to take an hour to sit in our conversation and listen to what we have to say. So let's fill it up with good stuff. You know, and and what you bring to the table is so cool mm-hmm. because. Everybody can make little changes, big changes mm-hmm. in their diet to help every part of their body from their skin complexion to their power to their weight to, I mean, every, everything. And I've noticed it personally, you know, when I pay attention to what I'm eating and I'm not just fast fooding it up or, mm-hmm. or, or putting garbage in, you know, I, I feel better. I sleep better. I think better. I, it affects every part of my life, really. Of course. Food food is medicine. You know, you said something interesting in the beginning, and that was about, like, back in the 50s, right? We really didn't think much about nutrition or it really wasn't discussed much. But that was a period in time where food industrialization really started to shift, right? Because people basically ate meat and potatoes and vegetables and highly unprocessed foods. And it wasn't until that time that food started really shifting in the industry and more and more preservative-laden, packaged junk started infiltrating the market. And if we look at um, how people have developed since that time, that's where we've started to see a huge rise in all forms of diseases and disabilities and immune, uh, immune problems. I mean, and that is direct relationship to the quality of the food people have access to. And yet we have, the, we have access to everything now and we're eating worse than ever. 
mm-hmm. it's baffling to me, but well, it's confusing. Well, my grandma, uh, you know, she's not with us any longer, but she said so many times, I mean, it rings in my ears, spend more at the grocery store, less at the doctor. She used to say it all the time. Very true. And made so much from scratch, and I got to eat very good, you know, and, there, and so I was very fortunate because, uh, you know, down, down home cooking, my grandma, every, every weekend we were there, and my mom was the same way, and so I grew up pretty good, eating, eating pretty good, and I try to do the best I can. But let's, uh, let's start at the beginning. You know, where did you grow up? How, how was it growing up for you? Uh, well, I was born in St. Louis, and uh, we moved to Oregon, so I spent most of my years in Oregon and loved it, loved it, loved it, loved it. Um, I was into sports, I was into a variety of activities, and I think like most kids, you, you ate what your parents cooked, right? We had dinner every night, and so I'd never really thought much about it. And it wasn't until I got into high school that I really started having some weight issues. And I think that that was about new access to foods and uh, hormone shifts and peer pressure, right, and all sorts of things like that. And um, I developed anorexia and bulimia at that period of time, and that became a 17-plus-year struggle of trying to figure things out, trying to feel better. And it, it, it's because of that that I do what I do now, and I really try to help people parse through the behaviors and the chronic problems that they have so that they can actually feel better. Wow. Wow. You know, uh, it's, it's such a, a, an important point, what you're making, because... You know, when I was coming through school, you know, we had the bullies and there was peer pressure and all that stuff, but it wasn't 24 hours a day, seven days a week, press of the mouse, you know, that kind of thing. So the pressure to look a certain way, yeah. to it, it's so uh, in your face every day in, in today's society. It is. It is. And the challenges kids have now, um, I, if, if the parents are having challenges now, can you imagine how difficult it is for the kids, they don't understand at all. And and parents don't know how to eat anymore either, by and large. Yeah, it's 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 a crazy time, and, and convenience is king, you know. It, it, you look at what is available at, uh, instantly, instant gratification, and if it's a McDonald's drive-thru, or even, you know, going to the gas station and, and you know, bag of chips, uh, piece of beef jerky, uh, whatever, and now it's five for five of this and ten for ten of this, and, and you know, we'll refill your 50,000-gallon oh. drink for free <laughs> every time, you know? It, 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 it makes it so, it's almost impossible. Like, you have to put more effort in to not overeat and not not do those things and it's a personal discipline kind of thing as you know as well as anybody i'd say yes and no okay and i'd say that um it's about breaking down the habits because you can go to 7-eleven and you can get hard-boiled eggs and some cheese and water and an apple or you can get the nachos and a slurpee so it's not that you don't have the choices, it's about the choices that you're making. Um, you can, instead of going through fast food drive-ins, you can go to the grocery store. There's grocery stores everywhere. And again, you get some sort of lunch meat or a chicken breast or a prepackaged salad that doesn't have junk in it, but it actually has vegetables mm-hmm. in it. 
and a meat and fruit. And that's not a terrible thing. And instead of getting the big thing of soda, again, water. It's, it, it, so it's a choice. And from a convenience standpoint, actually making better choices is easier than ever. See, I like that. I like that because obviously I'm learning as well. And I have been, you know, over the last six months making some better choices because uh, my life shifts quite often. And uh, I don't know, about a year ago, everything that, you know, as far as getting lunch and doing this and doing that, um, the convenient stuff was Taco Bell and McDonald's and those things. And I find myself now going over to Myers and getting hard-boiled eggs or getting a salad or, you know, different things that are healthier because I noticed almost instantly the change in my body. And I didn't like the way it was going. And I know I could make personal decisions to change, you know, shift back to being the healthy uh, person that I know I am, you know. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, your evolution, years of battling that stuff. How do you how do you get out of anorexia and believe like how do you I, 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 I don't understand that I have had nobody very close to me. My sister battled a, a, a little bit, but it, it wasn't. I wasn't really close to that. Uh, can we talk a little bit about sure. that? How do you, how do you sure. how do you get through that? Uh, so no it, it was um, so like most um, disorders, uh, there's something else that's forcing the issue that you're either not able to deal with, or ill-equipped to deal with, or need external help for dealing with. And I, I, I love my parents and I thank them to this day that they saw what was happening to me and no matter what they tried to do, they couldn't have an impact on it. It was beyond their skill set and they got me professional help. Even with professional help, that took me 17 plus years to, to work through it. Even, even though I became mentally healthier, there were habits around food uh, punishment cycles, guilt cycles, habitual cycles that I didn't know how to break even though I had dealt with the issue that was driving me, I still didn't understand how to put things together in a way that supported me. And that was a process of educating myself, really starting to look at food um, as function because I didn't want to feel the way that I had felt, which was so bad for so long. No energy, hair falling out, nails cracking, you know, just constant um, problems. Sick all the time. I mean, I was sick all the time. My immune system was nothing. Um, and, but I had felt so bad for so long that even that becomes a habit, if that makes sense, right? Mm -hmm. Because at least you're used to it. I, I didn't know what feeling good would be because I hadn't felt it in so long. So it took a lot of determination to decide that I didn't want to feel that way anymore and I was going to do something, experimenting whatever it was, to feel better. That, I'm sitting here just like sort of smiling and shaking my head because, you know, I talk here and there about my battle with alcoholism mm -hmm. and, you know, three rehabs and people telling me I shouldn't be doing it and almost, you know, taking it to quite a, a terrible limit to almost the verge of death. And it took me looking in the mirror and saying, you know, this isn't who you are and look at you. You don't even look like yourself. You're a shell of yourself. Uh, 
I got to a point where I was going to do whatever I had to do mm -hmm. not to feel like that anymore. Yes. Because it turned me into somebody I wasn't. Yes. I wasn't at all. And it uh, sounds like, man, it took years to get there, huh? It took a long time. And, you know, you and I have talked about alcoholism and drugs and whether it's gambling or alcohol or drugs or food. These are all things that we can wind behaviors around. And we can use them to support or we can use them to damage ourselves. The difference is... I don't need alcohol or drugs or gambling to actually survive. I do need to eat. So you take that component, which is I have to feed myself. I have to intake something. And then you look at our culture where everything is around food, right? Birthdays and anniversaries and dinners out and parties with friends and you skin your knee and grandma gives you a cookie or mom says, if you're really good, I'll give you a lollipop if you just quiet down, right? Just behave yourself and I'll give you this when you're done, right? So then we've got all these other things that we start using food as a reward system, which sets up in our mind a punishment and reward system. So now we're still confused because the people who love us are also giving us crap to make us behave because maybe they don't know how to deal with the situation or they'll do anything to make the situation go away. I, I get that. Um, but so then there's even more confusion, right? So what do you do? It's a mess. Mm-hmm. And, and you, again, it's just ringing so true with conversations I've had with other folks. I was uh, talking with a, a U.S. congressman a few weeks ago, and he really put it in a nutshell, and it, and it goes right along with what you're saying. If you do the same things to celebrate, and when you're not feeling so good, if, if it's the same uh, like, I don't want to say risk reward, but punishment reward mm -hmm. for yourself, you need to look at that thing, yes. whatever that thing is. And his thing was gambling, you know, that was his addiction. But um, it, it's exactly what you just said, you right. know, with and, parents. And, you know, Tony Robbins talks a lot about this because you had mentioned Tony Robbins, where we look at there's a there's a trilogy of things that start to happen. There's a trigger. So regardless of what it is, alcohol, drugs, um, you, you react a certain way to somebody uh, in a familial relationship because they say something that triggers you, right? And it sets in motion a chain of events. That's what happens with food, right? So there's a trigger. Something triggers me. I had a really rough day at work. I had an argument with my husband. Um, wh whatever it is, right? So there's a trigger. And then there's a behavior that ensues, something that's hardwired because we've done it before. Mm -hmm. Right? You and I talked a little bit about Dr. Joe Dispenza. Yeah. Right? So the thing that comes back, this isn't new. This is hardwired. This is a triggering event. Then I'm going to do this because it's familiar. Even if I know it's not good for me, I do it. It's hardwired. And then the next thing happens. Right? And it just keeps going round and round until you're able to... Make up your mind that you want something really different and you're willing to do the work to understand the triggers and then you actually make a decisive plan to stop the behavior. You, that, that's the only way. And you replace it with something else. When I know this happens and what I want, I had this big argument with my husband and I'm going to go eat ice cream. No, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to get out and ride my bike. I'm going to go buy a magazine at the store. I'm going to do something different to stop the behavior so that you can start to instill something new. It, until you can do that, that cycle doesn't end. 
it makes perfect sense to me you know it really does it took me um I don't know, 40-some years, uh, going through uh, quite a few years of abusing myself mm. to realize my trigger was self-hate. I freaking hated myself. And, and people look at me going, what? Like, what are you talking about, dude? And I said, think about it. I had over-excelled everything in my life, so all you guys could tell me how cool I was because I couldn't do it. And, and it, being an alcoholic sucks. Taking it to a limit of your, your blood is 40% alcohol and the doctor saying you should be dead, you know, taking it to that limit, I don't advise for anybody on the planet. But you know what? Going through that, uh, today I can look in the mirror and, and I love myself. I love the skin I'm in. And, and it, again, the journey sort of sucked, but... Or did it? <laughs> right. Or did it? Right. I mean, because you learned a lot of things in that process. And, yeah. and you can't also discount the chemical reaction that starts to happen, right? Mm -hmm. Alcohol alters you. So does food. And the crazy thing is most people, they don't get it. That if, if, if I have a glass of wine, I love red wine. I'm a Pinot Noir snob from Oregon, and I love red wine. And it alters you, right? It's, it lightens things up. It releases things at the end of the day. There's a whole host of things that happen with the alcohol. For me, I only have so much because it does alter me, right? I don't drink two or three bottles a night, right? Don't drink a bottle a night because it's too much based on the other things that I want and how much it physically alters my chemistry. Food is the same thing. We either take things in that support what our body needs, or we take things in and or we're taking things in that aren't supporting what our body needs. In either case, it's altering us. And we actually, by the choices we make, get to decide right then and there how I want to feel. But most people have felt like crap for so long. They haven't really felt optimal, maybe since they were little kids that they don't know how good they could feel. And one of the things that kept me going was I kept feeling a little bit better and a little bit better and a little more energy. And the, the more I felt good, the less I wanted to feel bad, right? So that became part of the motivation too to kind of understand this food thing. And how do I make it work? How does it, how does it actually serve as medicine? Because I want food to be enjoyable I want to celebrate, I want to eat cake, I want to have ice cream, but I don't want to feel like crap. So you got to learn how to bring those things in in a way that supports you and have enough of a base in your system that when you have something like that, it actually doesn't damage you, hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, totally, totally. And, and you know, it, it's... You know, again, I knew I was going to learn stuff and get educated <laughs> just like you guys. You know, this is this is you can only get this on the drop in. I mean, unless you hire Renee as your personal nutritional coach, which I hope you do after watching this show, this kind of information people pay top dollar for. So thank you so much for tuning in today. Um, you know, y you talked a little bit about your battle. And what happened next? Because you realized, you know, food was going to be an issue in your life for the rest of your life. And 
you got into culinary arts. You know, how did that happen? I did. I did. Which makes you, which makes you kind of wonder, is it like an alcoholic, like in Cheers, Sam, who was an alcoholic, went <laughs> yeah. and bought a bar? Right. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> but um, I was an exchange student. I was really fortunate to spend my junior year of high school in South Africa as an exchange student. And again, I thank my parents to this day because I was still struggling. I, I had at least had a, two years of therapy underneath my belt. But they were concerned, allowing me to go overseas for a year to study. Um, but they trusted me, and I was strong enough that I was able to do that. And one of the things that happened during that year, which was amazing, just amazing, um, I was in South Africa during apartheid in 1980-81. It was phenomenal. Two of my host fathers were chefs. And I got to learn more about multiple cultures. Food, much like art and music, is something that brings people together. That even without common language, food became a common language. So that intrigued me because I saw how it bridged so many gaps in culture, especially in a country that was so torn, mm -hmm. right? Fascinating. So I came back and I decided I'm going to be a chef. And it turned out I was pretty good at it. Now, were you still in Oregon at this time? I was. When you came back? Yeah. And yeah. now, Oregon, I, I'd never been there. Uh, the Pacific Northwest is oh, someplace, uh, you know, skateboard mecca. There's iconic skateboard spots there. I yep. hear stories. I just never made it that far north. Beautiful state. Mm -hmm. Beautiful state. I mean, you, from the pictures I've seen uh, and the footage I've seen, the nature, and the, it's amazing it is. being out there. So you go back to Oregon, and then, then what? So I finished my senior year. Um, and I start going to culinary, I start working actually, I hadn't gone to culinary school at this point. Um, I just decided I'm going to cook and turned out I was really good at it. Uh, so I started cooking and eventually became a saute at the Heathman hotel in Portland, which was like one of the only three star at that time places. It was pretty swank and also started a catering company. Uh, at the same time and really learned a lot about food and quality food, stuff that didn't come out of a can. We were making our own vinegar back then. And one of my chefs, who's still a very well-known chef to this day in Oregon, Greg Higgins, actually he's known all over the world, phenomenal, was also a cyclist. And I, I was astounded at how many people in the cooking industry surrounded by really good food were overweight, uh, weren't taking care of themselves, looked terrible. And then I've got this other chef who's a cyclist, he's outdoors, he's doing all sorts of stuff all the time, boundless energy, and he looks different. He also ate differently. And so that's when I started to learn a little bit more about nutrition and, and food, being able to not just make you feel good like when you have a good meal, but to actually shape what you do and how you feel from a performance standpoint, because I was also kind of into sports, but I never felt good. Hmm. So that's when I started, uh, went to culinary school. Well, and I have to say, the biggest thing, uh, you know, you talk about other chefs who are out of shape or, or not taking care of themselves. I have a few friends who are, are pretty good chefs. You know, one owns a, uh, he did own a, a four-star restaurant in Chicago, and he's uh, the brother of one of my best friends. But the hours are crazy. And I think that, does that have a huge impact yes. on diet and different things? Because being a chef, you know, you 
you probably go to work at two in the afternoon till two at night or you know it's it's crazy hours i think that plays a role as well i do so the the cooking field itself is really hard work and if you're not that a lot of other things aren't but it's very hard work you got to be passionate and if you're good you work evenings and weekends and holidays and you you're tasting food all day long so you're kind of not hungry right because you're tasting stuff constantly and then you finished your long shift where you're standing all the time where you're under constant pressure right and then you finally get to go home and you have a glass of wine and you have a big meal and then you go to sleep right just this continual cycle so not only is their circadian rhythm generally messed up their food cycle is very messed up and the constant level of stress and it's just day after day after day because if it was if it was just saying all you got to do is eat this and you'll be healthy but then you start messing with sleep mm -hmm. and stress and you start throwing all these other things in that's just a it's a rough cycle so you look at a lot of like the tv chefs and how big they've gotten <laughs> Some of, I mean, we get big. We, as we get older, it's easier to store fat. That's just the way it is. But a lot of them get really big. Yeah. Really yeah. big. I like Bobby Flay. I'm not a huge chef guy. <gasps> I like Bobby Flay, but, too. But uh, I like the beat Bobby Flay thing. He's one of the few that, that really, uh, I don't know if it's presentation skills, his personality. There's something about Bobby Flay where I will actually watch it when he's on TV. Yeah, and I think he's pretty active outside of the food as well. I mean, he and his wife do a lot of stuff to actually keep themselves healthy. Yeah, it shows. You know, he, he looks like he takes pretty good care of himself. He does. You know, so um, so you, you you meet this guy. He's cycling. He's in shape. Obviously made an impact on you. Yep. Uh, you continue cooking. How, when did you decide, I think I could impact other people's lives by teaching them how to eat? Like, was it an long evolution? How, how did that work? Yeah, it's been a very long evolution because it still took me, um, I wasn't working with people back then because um, I was still I was going to gonna say, out. you were still, yeah. you know, figuring where you, yeah. you know, dealing yeah. with your stuff on a daily, hourly, minute basis. Yes. So it wasn't until my um, 30s when I really started to get a better handle on food. Was that like last year? <laughs> you yes. look great. You yes. look great. Oh, thank you. Um, where I started to get at least a handle on it, where I, where I actually really learned about combining things. Um, but then I took my food obsession to another direction and I went into natural bodybuilding. So I got used to the gym, I was cycling, I was doing a lot of stuff. Um, and while it was a healthier obsession, it was still an obsession. Every day was still about food, food, when I'm eating, when I'm not eating, what I'm preparing, when I can have something again. My life was consumed with food. Even though I had kind of set up a, a mechanism now to control it, right? So I'd come back to that control thing. Anorexia and bulimia is often about control. Mm -hmm. You utilize it to control something that's out of control, right? So the bodybuilding as a type A personality was great because all my food was charted, all my supplements were charted, I was eating nine times a day, every couple of hours, I was still sick all the time, I still had no energy. I looked really good, but I was not healthy. I was not healthy at all. And it was just constant. I could not get away from food. And even after that, I decided, okay, I'm closer, but I'm not there. 
and that's when I started working with people just because. Um, oh, you know, the, and they'll come up and they say, oh, I want to look like you. What do you do? I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> it's not one thing, right? It's a process. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started working with training people. Now, I didn't do, do as much with their food, um, but I did more with kind of training them. And that's where I started coming up against behavior issues, all the excuses. Oh, I can't make it to the gym because, oh, we were out late last night, and lack of commitment to taking care of themselves. So I've dabbled in and out of it while working in other fields for a long time, helping friends, helping family, helping people kind of get straight. And uh, finally at the point when I really realized that I need to find a way to have peace with food. I don't want it to control me. I don't want to be afraid of it, which I also was, um, because it controlled me. Mm -hmm. I want to enjoy it, and I want it to make me feel really good. And that's when I started taking a really deep dive into studying nutrition and learning about the body and listening to how my body responded to things. And that's when I made big shifts. Right on. I, You know, I love networking and connecting people. And we had a gentleman on the drop, and his name was Bill Toko. And 1988... 89 number one amateur skateboarder in the world in the world and he blew his knee out and anyway we talked about that but what he does now is train people he's a nutritionalist and he trains people for competitive bodybuilding and the majority of his clients uh if you i follow him on social media uh, are women hmm. and he talked about the body like uh, almost like a work of art like yeah. he's like i think it's it's super rad that you know you can make personal decisions to sculpt your body however you want to it was a very interesting take on the body because i had never thought about it like that it is and um i think you and him could have some really cool <laughs> conversations uh and and who knows you know what could happen well, but, so introduce me <laughs> yeah definitely definitely i'll put you guys in touch um you know we're sitting here with renee potitas and and if you are just tuning in the knowledge up to this point has been phenomenal. A little bit about R Renee's evolution to get to where she's uh, at today and sharing her knowledge with others and just realizing that you put gold in, gold comes out. You put garbage in, garbage comes out, and how it affects everything. And getting to the root cause of that. You know, if you eat, in, you know, 22 bags of chips every night you go home, it's not about the chips. There's something deeper inside, and that's what we're getting to is how do you find, figure that out? How do you figure that out? And Renee spent some years figuring it out for herself and is now helping others, which is freaking rad. Um, uh, for me, uh, when I'm helping others, it helps me so much. It sounds a little bit egotistical. It really does. And I'm not doing it to... Um just for myself i love helping people in every walk of life every facet if i can help and network and connect people and, and help them live a better life i'm stoked and that stoke translates into a better version of myself as well so so write that down you know write that down in your notes as you help others it helps uh, boost you and with your uh, we'll call it a journey you know you're we're getting to the point in in the renee's story where you decide you're gonna or not actually you decide other people start asking you questions and and you start helping others 
let's uh, pick it up right there. So people are asking you, I want to look like you, I want to be like you. Uh, a li- it sounds a little bit like I used to be, um, just from your comment, because people used to say that about me years ago, and I, in my head I'd be like, well, that's great, but you don't get to go home with me alone every night. <laughs> you don't want that part of my life at that time. With you, you're still battling and getting getting your own uh, vibration together a little bit right at that point. Yeah, yeah. And I I think, um, you know, we've all got something that's in our past. And uh, whatever it is, maybe maybe it's a little suitcase of baggage or maybe it's a U-Haul or a semi-truck. And we all deal with them in different things. But we've been imprinted with things that help us. Even to this day, as much as you try to combat them, they impact how we form our own opinions about ourselves. And the only way to dismantle ones that don't serve you is to replace them with ones that do. And you do that through trial and error. There's no magic formula. There's no magic time frame. Nothing. Um, Anything I can do to help people not struggle with something that's so vital to life as food and nourishment, I want to do because it's 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 never ending. And I'll tell you, you can go out to dinner, you can go to Thanksgiving. I travel. We travel for a living. We travel all over the world. My weight doesn't shift that much. I may have to modify my workouts, but I'm also not. It's not controlling everything I do, right? I'm thinking about okay. Well, we're uh, we were in Lebanon recently. And their schedule is way off. Like, I'm usually up at 4.35 in the morning. I've got a two-hour thing that I do before I go to the gym that includes meditation and a certain kind of drink. And then I go to the gym and my fasting. I'm in bed by 9.30, 10 o'clock. I mean, I have this routine. Well, you're in Lebanon, and we don't even eat dinner until 10.30, right? So any sort of a, a eating plan that doesn't survive first contact with real life doesn't work either. Right. So that's where this whole diet mentality, if I can help people forget diets, there's there's no such thing as a diet. You may be eating a certain way for a period of time because you want to look a certain way, like a contest. Right. Or you're or you're coming back from some sort of an ailment or um, an incident or you're rebuilding post cancer. Right. Things that you've got to do to rebuild your immune system. But there is no you must eat this way for the rest of your life because that's what's healthy. The way I eat is not the way you need to eat. There are some guidelines that that basically fall in line for everybody. Um, But outside of that, helping people figure out what works for you in your lifestyle that's maintainable. Right? That's like exercise. What's the best exercise? The one that you'll continue to do. Right. Right? Right. Well, you said habit early on. And I'm a creature of habit. You know, and and even when I, you know, quit drinking, I had to find something else that I could fill up that space with. That's and right. for a while, it was bowling because the bowling alley was open, <laughs> and I could I could go bowling. Um, but the habit is the key, and and mm-hmm. even today with my eating habits, um, to make a conscientious shift at the beginning. But now that's just the way I eat. You know, yeah. that's just just the way it is. And it seems to be working. I know it can be better, but I know it can be worse. And it's a, but I don't beat myself up and over it. And what's most consistent, right? It, it's okay if you've got some fluctuations, right? I, I, I am looking forward to the day where we're in Paris and I'm in a side cafe with my espresso and my croissant. 
in Paris, right? There's no, there's no right food. There's no wrong food. There's what's the best choice, and how do you stay away as much as possible from processed crap? Mm-hmm. That's that's the easiest thing that you can do. If if there were uh, three things you could do: sleep more, eat nutrient dense foods, and move. Though if if everybody would just do that, they would be better. And it's tough. It's tough. You know, the sleep thing is tough for me because my brain is going forty seven thousand miles an hour every minute of every day, and that's what started me meditating. And not to mention, and we had talked, I I brought up the schedule of a chef. Mm -hmm. I, uh, between touring and working third shift jobs, because that would work, for the better part of 20 years. And so I'm just now getting back into where I can fall asleep at night and sleep more than three hours at a time. Wow. And it's pretty cool when I can. If I sleep seven, eight hours, it's because I was ridiculously exhausted. That's the only way I can sleep that long. And I get up and go again, 4.30 in the morning, and I'm, I'm on it. Until tonight, it'll be till 11 o'clock tonight. And I'll go to bed at 1 o'clock and wake back up at 4.30 in the morning and do it again tomorrow. Um, but I know I can sleep better. And um, But habit, 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 I think is, is the, the key for somebody like me. Um, but, um, you know, it's a pleasure having you here today. I've already learned a ton. And, and your story is pretty incredible. Because I think making that the choice to where you're at today to want to share it with other people and help other people live better lives, I think that is, it's been one of the most important decisions for me as a person mm-hmm. to do that with, with anything I can in my life. And, and for you to be of service to others is such a rad thing. And I want to talk about that right now. How can people see more about what you're doing today? Uh, a lot of ways. They can find me on Instagram uh, under Renee Pathetis, and they can find uh, Facebook. I've got a Facebook, free Facebook group, where we're sharing all sorts of strategies and ways to improve sleep, health, how to understand uh, how to get junk oils out of out of your diet, how to look at diabetes. I've got a client who was diagnosed with type 2 diabetes last December and hopefully by this December she's virtually off of insulin and it's all been through lifestyle changes so and that's a free group that anybody can join and it's eat evolve inspire on Facebook and that's also the title of my website eat evolve inspire.com what a great name what a freaking great name eat evolve inspire make sure to check that out the free Facebook group I mean that's free it's free knowledge. It's it's something you can do with the click of a mouse, not have not be obligated to anything mm-hmm. and you are getting like Renee said, diet tips, sleep, different things to enhance your lifestyle. She's not trying to take anything away. It's trying to enhance and make a, a better quality of life, really, is ultimately what you're doing with everything. Yeah. Everything. And I'm gonna. Uh, it's not in our outline, but you um, just uh, did. You graduate? The, the, what are you doing right now? Some intravenous stuff? What oh. is that all about? <laughs> like I just so. want to know because I'm looking at it, and and uh, you know I'm not a stalker, but when I I'm, I'm a normal human being, <laughs> and when I when I have guests on, I like to pay attention to their yeah. social feed, and she posts up this certificate or, or, or diploma. I'm not really sure, and then it's like a hospital. 
like a hospital bed and stuff and it's something intravenous what is that well so um when when i look at health and well-being and wellness um i'm looking at the whole picture and what we know is that the understanding of the human body is shifting every single day we still know so little they're just learning about the cellular processes and understanding mitochondria and in your cells i mean what happens with food why is your biome so important what is inflammation which is a big buzzword i mean all these sorts of things every single day they're learning something more one of the things that is coming down the pike right now is something called iv therapy and it's very easy to go to an IV lounge. Movie stars have been doing this forever. Rocks, rock stars have been doing this forever where they're hung over and they feel like crap and they get a banana bag, which is loaded with vitamins, right? There's all sorts of different cocktails that you can get to boost your immunity, to help boost your vitamin levels in your body. And these are doctor supervised IV lounges. And so I'm, but going to be working with a local IV lounge and I wanted to have a better understanding of the best practices in terms of how IVs are administered, how you keep people comfortable, risks in that since I'm going to be doing project management and I wanted to make sure that I have a deeper understanding. I'm not going to be administering IVs but uh, I want to make sure that people I'm working with are doing what's supposed to be done so that's why i went and got certified okay how cool because i again i i have heard of rock stars or or people with money um being able to do that you know get oh, yeah. an iv bag full of full of vitamins and to feel better for whatever reason but how awesome is it that the everyday person now is going to have that uh the, that access to something like that and w does it break the bank like what if our if our listeners are interested no it's not that expensive a lot of ivy lounges are doing um like a monthly membership where let's say you go in once a month and you get a drip and so maybe it's two hours out of your month and they have different membership fees there's one in royal oak there's one in birmingham there's going to be one in rochester um i think there's a new one opening up in detroit uh and you just go in and you watch tv and you you get your healthy meds and you go on with your day and so it's, it's, you know, a couple hundred bucks is it. And most people spend more than that on drinks out at bars in a, in, in a week. <laughs> a lot of people, what you would go out versus where you could really support your system. If you're not doing everything you could from a food standpoint, this is another way to get you at a deeper level, more hydrated, more vitamins, more minerals. It's not actually nutrition, but it's a way to help build you back up. Interesting, and I think that would be, uh, it would go like gangbusters, oh, because yeah. uh, I have watched so many people, um, and I'm sure you have, we see it all the time, where they're looking for the magic pill. Uh, people don't, self-discipline isn't the easiest thing, and if you can go and take a pill and get skinny, people would be buying them through the roof. If you can go and sit down for two hours and get the nutrients you need to feel better for a month or a week well, or whatever. Well, maybe, maybe not all nutrients, so I don't, I don't want to say that. Some nutrients. Right. And this doesn't erase a really crappy diet. Good. This is an additional form of support that you can get, and I wouldn't recommend it for anybody who isn't already on a path. People, it's another shortcut if, if you want to use it as a shortcut, which again gets back to like that diet mentality, right. which makes no sense. 
Um, When I work with clients, one of the things that I really try to get them to understand, because most people come from a diet mentality, is they think they're going to have to deprive themselves of something. And the truth is, you you can live in that world and say, I'm going to be deprived because I'm going to eat this way, but it's only for a period of time. Or you can look at it another way, which is, what am I really depriving myself of, which is optimal health mm-hmm. and a quality of life that I just don't have right now. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to fix. That's it. That yeah. is it. You know, I mean, it really is easy. It is. And, and they're minor shifts. One thing. I have seen, and, and just with research and different guests we've had in here, it's not this crazy like life overhaul where you have to get rid of all your friends and, no. and spend a million dollars on a on a bike and a treadmill and this and that. There's small changes that make huge, huge shifts in how you feel. Yes. And that's what I've, I've discovered, that you make small shifts, not huge. You're not becoming a no, whole new person overnight, mm-hmm. but over a length of time you do end up becoming a whole new person because it's somebody you want to be. Yeah. And you start feeling that impact in you and start feeling better and you want more of that. Yeah. And, and it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling. So all of you, you have to check out Eat, Evolve, Inspire. I mean, the Facebook group I think is great. Thank I you. really do. I love it. Um, I'm learning. I, I love learning anyway, but uh, I like uh, being able to wa- look at different things, different things that are going to help me and different things that I can share with other people to help them. Um, outside of uh, <laughs> everything you do, you like to have a good time. You mentioned earlier that you're a very active person. Yeah. Uh, what kind of stuff do you do to just let loose? I know uh, <laughs> it, it, it's pretty exciting. Well, I've done a lot of obstacle course racing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I, I'm not saying I'm done with it, but I've done a, some Tough mutters and I've done some Spartan races and some other stuff. I really liked the challenge. And I think you and I talked about this. The, uh, to, to force myself to be uncomfortable and push past uh, so that I could be stronger, just to see if I can do it. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I loved about, I do love about obstacle course racing is it's a great metaphor for life. Because you come up on this thing on the course, and it's like, how the heck am I going to get around this, or over it, or under it, right? And you've got to you got to figure it out, right? And a lot of times it's scary, but I've I've got to I'm going to figure out how to get through this. This is life, and you get through one, and all you're thinking about is okay, got that done. Next one, next one. So I do like obstacle course racing. I love distance cycling. So there's just something about 100 miles put me on the bike and make me ride 100 miles it's hard not a lot of people do it i question myself during it over and over why are you doing this why are you doing this and you have to keep recommitting to yourself okay i'm going to get to mile 60 great all right just 10 more i'm just going to do 10 more Mm -hmm. and you get to that 10 it's like whoa but now there's only 30 left right again it's another metaphor for life and for me the way i'm wired is i push myself physically Things that I make me uncomfortable, that help make me stronger, help me in life. Because when you've done those things, it's like, yeah, I just rode 100 miles. Mm-hmm. This ain't nothing, right? And it doesn't mean that the other stuff is easy, but it does give me resolve because of the way I'm wired that I can get through this. Yeah, we're 
we have a lot of commonalities mm. because you know for me it's it's same kind of thing you know i did a triathlon and i'll never do one again i don't <laughs> want to ever do one again but i got in the water and i was like all right I, 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 i'm done i'm like okay five minutes in i'm done i quit i no you started you have to finish and then you get out of the water you're like all right now the easy part, you know, now I just have to bike and run, <laughs> but the hard part's done, right. you know, and then you get off the bike and I'm like, I can't feel my legs, but I got to run now. I, it's only running. You just have to run, man. That's yep. it. And you're done. And you've already done this. You don't <laughs> want to quit yet. Right. Right. right? <laughs> exactly. And, and again, I, people are like, what place you get? I'm like, I don't care what place I got. I finished. That's, that's all right. I wanted to do. I just wanted to finish and move on. And uh, yep. long-distance cycling, I think that's something I might be interested in because I do ride my bike more than anything. I don't run much anymore, but I do ride my bike, and uh, I enjoy it. It's meditative oh, for me to go out and do 20 or 40 miles in either an audio book or some you know, music or whatever, and I just go. And, and it's, it's a very, very um, relaxing Mm -hmm. Um, you're, uh, like, I can feel the muscles working and, uh, and the scenery is fun to look at. You know, it there's is. a lot of things going on there and it's very enjoyable. You cover a lot of, lot of land very quickly. You do. You do. And it, again, it lets you get out to nature when you, when I think about quality of life, right? And, um, life is either one of the longest things we're going to have to endure or it's one of the shortest things we're ever going to experience. And we really get to make that choice. So improving the quality of your days. I, I know one of the biggest challenge, challenges people have right now, and you've alluded to it with it, it's you even trying to wind down and get to sleep, is we're so bombarded with so much all the time, right? We don't have, we don't have moments to ourselves, even like when you used to be in the grocery store line, right? Before we had a phone, a computer in our pocket all the time, You'd stand at the grocery store line and you'd wait to put your stuff on the cart. And they were just, you maybe look at some of the magazines and nod your head at somebody, but you had stillness. It was some time to just be. We don't have a lot of that anymore mm -hmm. because we fill everything up. And it's very difficult for us to actually uh, stop, breathe, don't do anything, sit on the patio and watch the birds oh but i should be doing this oh i've got to do the laundry oh i need to make a call no sit and watch and listen and just take a moment so that you can slow your system down so that you can actually be in the present moment with yourself as we're so busy all the time now we have we have so little time for ourselves which is why i think we disregard things for ourselves like food mm -hmm. right like sleep because oh doesn't really matter and we look for external things to fill us up like the new car and the new couch and the new this and i like shopping as much as anybody but it doesn't fill me up right it brings something else in that i may like but it doesn't fill me up the birds fill me up yeah yeah those uh, you know the what you just said is so huge you know and people uh, ask me about meditation all the time they're like how do you meditate because you're going you're you're you know and uh, it guided meditation helped in the beginning somebody telling me what to do and mm -hmm. and after you know almost a decade of, of doing it now 
um, it's a little easier for me to quiet my mind. But if there's anything, and you reminded me of, uh, you know, if you're doing the dishes and that's your only focus, mm -hmm. just doing the dishes, yep, that's meditation. Yes. If you are, if you have focus on one thing. You know, when I sit down to draw, I don't know what I'm going to draw, but I'm just drawing. I don't know. I'm not thinking about everything else. I'm just drawing. That's meditation. You mm -hmm. have that 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 uh, soul focus on one thing, no matter what it is. And and we do lose that because the, the phone's dinging exactly what you said. The phone's vibrating. The TV's on. Somebody's saying something. You're thinking about something that's going to happen that probably doesn't in three weeks down the road. Right. You know, and, and there's very little downtime unless you make the decision to take that downtime sit on the porch watch the birds and watch birds being birds yeah. you know and get uh, it's amazing when you can sit there and watch uh, just watch the water and see fish jump i'm fortunate because i'm a mile from the detroit river i can bike down there and just sit and watch the water yeah it's such a rad thing. The hatches thing. come up and it's like oh it's feeding time yes it's such a cool thing yeah um we're getting down to the end of the show. This hour goes so quick. It does. So quick. So I want, I would love for you to remind our viewers how they can reach you once more time through your website and your Facebook. I'm going to let you do it because it's bet, your thing. You bet. You uh, bet. Eat, Evolve, Inspire on Facebook. Just type, go to groups and type it in. It'll come up. Feel free to join. We'd love to have you there. My website is also eatevolveinspire.com. And on Instagram, I'm Renee Pathetis, R-E-N-E-P-O-T-H-E-T-E-S. Right on. Yes, definitely check it out. At the very least, become a member on the Facebook group yeah. because you will learn so much and it costs you nothing. You're already going to be on Facebook. You might as well look at something that's actually going to help you as a person instead of browsing those memes. They make me laugh. <laughs> I, 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 I'm not going to lie. I like looking at funny memes. It, and it's great to laugh. It is, it is really great to laugh. But definitely, at the very least, check out the Facebook group and then go to the website and see if there's something that fits with you. Renee, thank you so much for being here today. And thank you guys, man. You're the reason we do this show. And I am honored and stoked to be here. And I'll be back really soon. I am Gerald Valley, and this is The Drop-In.